Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Precision Unloaded podcast, episode 59. We're trying to sort of um, make up for uh, lost time and get a few out at the start of the year. You're once again joined by Graham and Mark. Hello Mark. Uh, hello Graham. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> our regular guest, in fact we'll call him a co-host, uh, Anthony Colley. My future Mark's, replacement. Yeah, yeah, Mark's replacement, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the Trojan horse. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yes, uh, we are tonight, we'll do a bit of catch up, but the main topic is essentially Collie's foray into extreme long range, or definitely extreme long range for New Zealand. So, we're going to be talking about his 33XC, um, the, the record he set at the uh, TD venue, and then his um, dominance of the King of range king of the range king of the range down yep. in sparrowhawk don't don't give it away i i think our like our few listeners would have probably seen the instagram oh, right you know collie's instagram is a pretty big deal so um if only i was on instagram it, well yes uh d- don't waste your time it can eat up a lot of day um anyway so not there. <laughs> so what uh so we might as well start with you collie you've been doing much shooting in the last couple of weeks um King of the Range, and, excluding that, yeah, and one training weekend last weekend, mm-hmm. yep, and yeah, a little bit since then. So just starting to ease back into it now for yep. like proper proper practice, yeah, like precision rifle practice, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Okay, what about you, Mark? You've been uh, any new rifles, <clears throat> any pest control hunting or practice, anything along those lines since since Super Steel? Uh, yeah, I basically set up, um, my old Browning Hills Canyon 6.5 Creedmoor with a, um, MDT ESS chassis that I picked up off Trade Me, so, so it's converted that old gun that was gathering dust in the safe into something a bit more interesting, as a spear gun or something, I don't know, so, um, mucked around getting that set up, and, uh, shot out to a K now so and it seems to be alright I wasn't quite validated properly but then I worked out that uh, the database had the wrong BC for whatever the projectile I was using so once I sorted that out it was fine so matched the because my Tika I've just attack A1 I've just put a hellfire break on it and so we're testing that as well so it certainly cuts the recoiler truckload more than the old one yeah, the factory one so and i'll have a tmb one obviously at some stage shortly to to try it on as well so that'll be good yeah, um <laughs> so no so the hell's canyon ended up being basically it's got a suppressor on it with the ess chassis and uh my bigger bdx scope the sig ones which it can actually it gives you holdovers out to about 1.4k but you got to zoom out a bit to see the dots sort of thing. So so we shot at a K the other day. It was fine. Um, and three of us did a bit of practice at a K. So basically set up a larger target and put a smaller target, or, you know, painted a smaller target in the centre so we could actually see where they were going more accurately and basically get some learning out of it, just going through and, and writing notes and as we went sort of stuff. So that was good. We certainly got a lot, you know, for the, for the two guys with me, 
and myself, you know, we got a lot more hits on plate than we would have previously. And um, yeah, just the, I think all all three rifles that we're using were basically settling down, been used a bit, and now are um, yeah, each shoot has basically got them pretty well tuned for whatever you know for the one K stuff anyway. So nice. And the wind was built. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So still going to be you know that, hitting that little target at K at the end of the month is still not easy. So. You yeah, gotta, um, it's only a it's only a three hundred millimeter. I think we run it as a diamond for that shoot. It's not a big yeah. target, eh? That's well, it's point three or just over one yeah, meter of to, angle if you're old. So that's um, to have a chance, you have got to get on and one or immediately. <laughs> so um, yes, and then stay on. So yeah, I think so. For non magnum, the previous year was missed the first shot, then four impacts following, and then magnum with the K was just five hits. Yeah. But yeah, so no, you you did right. If you yeah, <laughs> you gotta gotta be pretty good, or or at least really good at spotting. One thing I'll say was deviating, but the amount of people that like their shots, like I don't know, a mill to the right or something, they just don't even see it. With yeah, well, recoil management for most likely. But, um, on the Tika, the the Hellfire break made a big difference to spotting. So not my own shots, like you're basically not an issue. You know, it's not big recalling, but. It certainly um, means you can see pretty much everything all the way through without much problem. Yeah, the, the, the factory break on the Tika is, um, uh, leaves some things to be desired, to put it politically. <laughs> pretty much like most factory breaks. Yes. That's, anyway, that's if me. If, if and... your factory gun, just offer it threaded and maybe like a voucher for a muzzle break from someone else. <laughs> and the only other thing was the heavy-duty trigger stick turned up carbon fibre one. Which is basically the size of a, you know, standard competition tripod. Yeah. So Mark and might do a, a video or something and put it up on the podcast page of that too. Yeah. yeah you sort of got to see it in action to see how it works. But it's interesting. So far, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with how, um, yeah, controllable it is in terms of fine movement. Like it's not, you know, you can maneuver around on the tripod with a rifle on it without too much trouble. Yeah. <clears throat> Changing your pan up and down, yeah. So be interesting. Yeah, we're gonna um, we're gonna ban them. We're gonna ban them. That's too good. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know about yourself, Graham. What have you been up to? Uh, bit of practice, as Colin mentioned. We had a bit of a training session. Uh, so I've got. I'm now running the um, Masterpiece Arms BA Comp Six mil Creed. So new new chassis. Uh, a trigger I use already, but a new trigger. You gotta set that up new scope everything right new action um and then obviously load development so getting all that sort of how much change in load did you have to do to uh i've dropped to... shit uh like a well over a grain and uh, over a grain of powder yeah, yeah quite a bit um we're running it quite slow um put like oh i think i did 140 rounds with anthony on the weekend um, and then would have done. I'm probably up around 180, 190 rounds now. So it's I'm reasonably confident. After a few little wee sessions, it's pretty well ready to go. Um, yeah. And just getting used to that new chassis and inserting mags. Uh, yeah, not too big a change though. It's pretty straightforward. Um, 
And yes, great. And so the, the the must be obviously it's a pretty awesome brand, right? And uh, so you don't expect too many issues. Uh, shoots good. Um, so thoughts on the chassis compared to what you were using previously? Uh, it's got it's obviously it's got the vertical grip, which I use yeah. a vertical grip previously. This is slightly different design, so just got used to that. Um, uh, no, not really too much different. I'm used. To, I've been running the Baker wings. Obviously, the Baker wings don't clip onto this. No. Um, I can also I can put like a grey up style plate on it to replicate it if needs be. Um, in fact, I have something like that coming. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's pretty straightforward. Um, the action's nice. It's a Curtis action, um, sixty degree throw, which is. Uh, you know that shorter bolt throw is quite nice and it's obviously smooth and it works pretty well um, and then you're running the loophole mark 5 um, so just getting used to just you know the different reticle and um, the zero the zero lock and stuff like just a few just small changes but we sort of had a pretty good session with Anthony um, uh the main issue with the weekend, I was, I was just slow, and if I tried to speed up too much, I'd just start missing. Um, that, yeah, I've just got to get a bit of speed back. But other than that, that was, yeah, it's been good, getting used to the new setup. And then as for hunting, I went up to your place, and I ran over a pig with my truck. So that's about the extent of my hunting this year, um, apart from a deer or so. But yeah, um, for those of you who know the way up to the, where we do our events, a, a boar decided to run out in the middle of the day, and uh, I managed to collect him. Um, uh, <laughs> accidentally, of course. Ac- accidentally, well, I couldn't really. Um, there's no way to go, right? Um, yeah, he ran in front of you. Yeah. Ran in front of me. He's quite a, as my daughter called it, a, a quite a medium-sized pig. So, um, anyway, that's one one less one less pig. He copped the front and back wheel. On a, what's a ranger weigh? Must be two tons. Must be pretty heavy, right? And, um, yeah, so that well, that 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 happened, which is a bit of an interesting day. But um, yes, yeah, so that about sums it up, really. Um, what we've been up to. So, Collie, mm. you're the, you're the person everyone likes to hear from. Hence why you you're always on here. Um, <laughs> so thirty three XC. Uh, what is it, and, and why did you choose it over, uh, say, three three Lapua? Um, through three edge or 50 cal well you know have a half a hundred other calibers that do similar things why do you go with 33 xc right so 33 xc 33 extra capacity is its long name um designed by david tubb a few years ago and basically was to maximize what you can get out of a 338 bolt face um action because as soon as you step up to like a Shaytac or something like that, you go up and bolt face again. So everything gets more expensive. Actions, different presses, all that crap. Um, I don't want any of those problems. Um, the other reason, 375, 416 barrels are pretty hard to get in New Zealand. 338 is pretty common. And they seem to work quite well with the standard 9.3 twist. Um, so, yeah. That's sort of why I, why I went for it. The um, so, sorry, obviously so the, it's sorry to interrupt, but it's, so it's, it's essentially the best you can get in three through eight, or the most performance you can get in that bore diameter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The the um, I don't know what the powder capacity is of a 
of a Lapua, but you're probably it's about thirty grains more powder than a than a Lapua. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's significant. Like it's you can't in terms of three three eight go like you can neck down a three seven five or something like that to three three eight, but you just gotta chew the throat out. But in terms of cases on um, that type of thing is about as good as you can get at the moment, and it shows in the like the over in the US and the King of Two Mile and King of One Mile light gun class, which is three three eight and under. Um, it's just dominated by thirty three XC. I saw some stats the other day on one of the pages, and I think yeah, seventy five percent of all the hits in the light gun class was made by thirty three XC last season. So, some. In terms of yeah, that's that's about it. That's the pinnacle at the moment. So after a bit of research, that's what I went for. Yeah, and so getting it um was it hard to get stuff? Obviously, not I doubt too many people are doing it here. Did, it, did um Hardy already have reamers and stuff? Or did you get the reamers in from Tub and all? No, I'd, I got I had to get everything personally from like not personally. Obviously, um Hardy's got it all for me, but I. You know, not for them. I brought it all, and I've kept, you know, so I've got the reamer and everything here. So I had to get reamer gauges, um, dies, brass, obviously. Uh, took. Uh, we started talking about it January, twenty twenty one, I think. And by the time we got it built, well, we ordered stuff um, March and April of twenty one, and it turned up in December, that year. So it took seven or eight months to get here and yeah and then literally once I was here took a day to build it put it together it's Barnard action and so that was local obviously party barrels so that's local and originally had Barnard chassis so also local and Barnard trigger and then um, yeah just one of my other scopes on it so that's getting together the parts was easy for the gun but we couldn't make it obviously that was the problem to start with so but then once the reamer was here obviously it was the first xc in the country um and has been the only xc in the country until about oh, a month ago now there are two uh your reamer used for that my reamer yep used yep. for that one down south um pretty similar same action same length barrel, different brand of barrel, but a uh, homemade billet aluminum chassis that the whole gun weighs probably 18 kilos, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty significant chunk of metal. So it's like a rail gun. <laughs> pretty much, it's like yeah. a beach race rail gun. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's bloody heavy. It doesn't move much under recoil. Um, yeah, so that's sort of the how we yeah to get everything obviously we just ordered the reamer and the dies and the brass and everything direct from tub um and it just took an age to get here just yeah through covid and stuff as well just everything was slow and so <clears throat> yeah yeah just painful so what so since you obviously you did a sort of uh several what what we'd call the elr season in new zealand i guess um in, in 2022 um some good some bad um so what changes did you make uh since then um did you know 
I know I know it was super good and they actually dropped off a little bit. So what what did you change from then then to now? Um so when we first built it obviously it was brand new brand new to me. Um there was quite a lot of info online for loads and stuff like that, but uh a lot of it was for with powders that we couldn't get here at the time. Um, projectiles that you just couldn't get. A lot of guys were using monos through them. Um, so the I spent a lot of rounds sort of just learning the barrel and the caliber and learning what it could take and what it liked and what and that type of thing. And I was using the 300 A tips at the time and probably shot I don't know, 400 rounds that first summer, just sort of trying stuff, learning it, um, getting used to the gun. And got it to the point where it was pretty good. It was always a bit picky. Um, it doesn't seem to like the A-tips that much. When it's on, it was, like, really on. Like, it would be really good. And then when it was off, and it was just dog shit. And the, the basically, it all came down to the seating depth. The A-tips liked... Uh, it had a seating depth window of about 4,000 that it had to be in. And if you drifted out of that, it would just go to shit. Um... So it went real good in that first King of the Range. We, in 2022, we, we uh, won that one with it. And then by the time I got to the long range at RTD in February, I'd done a little bit more shooting afterwards. And I'd probably just pushed it over the edge and I'd slipped out of that seating depth note. And it, it was dog shit. It was crap. Absolute crap. So I basically, I was so disgusted in the gun that I just put it away for like seven months and didn't look at it at all. And then, as we got to the end of the year, I thought, man, I better dig that XC out. I didn't even have it at home. I just left it over at Hardy's in the workshop in the armory because I didn't even want to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, man, I better dig that thing out, get dust off it, and we'll revamp it. I, was, I had a Macmillan A5 Super Mag stock ordered for it right from the very start, but when we ordered it, it was like two-year back order, and we thought, bloody hell and then so that sort of turned up late last year i thought right well time to get motivated pull it out of the chassis that it was in um get it into the stock and start again so um yeah chassis came off the stock came as a full blank so it had to be fully inleted like barrel channel everything full inlet had to be done uh link was uh, butt stock had to be cut down which I just did with a skill saw in the garage <laughs> <laughs> real technical yeah, no, no, I um, the inletting was a little bit more technical than that I, I hope um, and it's got a big huge great big aluminium bedding block in there um, it's super rigid and weighs a little bit more than it did as well before, which is nice. So the the bedding block was in there, or you guys? Or no, we had to. Yeah, they had to make that and chuck it in there. Um, yeah, everything was from scratch to get it in the in the because Macmillan didn't have an inlet uh, program for Barnard yep. for the Shaytac because it's a Shaytac action, so it's the real big heavy action, and they didn't have one for the um, for the Shaytac action. At the time, I don't know whether they do now or what. I haven't bothered to look at it, so it was full custom inlet, full uh, custom aluminium bedding block in there. Um, because how 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 the chassis, the Barnard chassis, had to mount to the action, 
it has to have like an attachment ring that goes it's actually part of the of the chambering of the barrel effectively it sort of dictates the headspace so that's in between the barrel and the action and then the fore end screwed to that it was separate from the chassis um so because it was basically the gun was headspace with this ring in it between the barrel and the action that we just left that there and then we had to work that into the stock as well so it's got this weird sort of ring that everyone around the barrel that everyone looks at and they're like oh what's that for i'm just like oh secret <laughs> secret stuff <laughs> harmonic balancer or some shit i don't know yeah but actually it's just to attach the forehand of the chassis and we couldn't be bothered taking it off yeah <laughs> um and the stock came flat gray primer very boring looking so the summer project for the kids which a lot of guys would have seen on the on my instagram and stuff was i just let the kids go nuts with a paintbrush and do whatever they wanted and then clear coated it and it came out looking pretty cool it's got the handprints and stuff on it so they're pretty stoked yeah it does look pretty cool and yeah so once it was basically back together then it was time to um We'd had a good look at the throat as well, like a really good look at the ball scope. We decided it's probably okay to get through King of the Range, which it has been um, this year, but it's probably due for a for a rechamber now. Um, and yeah, so then it was sort of reworking the the load. I wanted to change projectiles. I wanted to get away from the A tips because of how picky they were the year before so I wanted to try the burgers so I went to 300 burgers um wanted to change powder because I was having issues part of my seating depth issue last year was uh, I was running 2218 for a bit and I couldn't get enough powder in there to yeah it was basically probably like 110% case fill so I was crunching a lot of powder to get the speed I, I wanted then I the next sort of step down was faster than it should have been and that's all we could get at the time so I had case fill issues and it just wasn't that great um like everything had to be perfect for it to work and it was on a gun like that it's hard to keep it perfect and so we changed powder changed projectile um I'd added a bit of kit to my reloading gear, so in that year I uh, got the digital, yeah, you know, the amp press, the digital seating press. Yep. Um, just so I could sort the sort the cases on neck tension and stuff like that, but we'll get to that I suppose later on. And yeah, I was put about a hundred rounds down it before, just pissing around trying to get a new load sorted and. Bit of tweaking and fine tuning, just finding the powder charge and seating depth and that type of thing. I got it pretty damn good. Um, <laughs> did a bit of testing out around 2k at home, and it was going pretty good. Um, holding pretty good verticals, sort of point 0.1 to 0.2 vertical, which is bloody good at that distance. And yeah, so then I had one little last hit out with it i suppose you call it one little test run or more like a fun run before uh before we went to king of the range which was the day after the 22 final at rt and no doubt that's what we'll talk about next yeah so how how do you you know something like this obviously like i test 
you know, you test a six mil at like five hundred meters and eight hundred meters and thousand meters thing, but so how do you get it ready? How do you test loads and prep for these um, ELR events? You know, what's the minimum distance you're group testing? Or... So there's yeah, there's a lot of disagreement about this and makes uh, people. But I basically just came up with, I figured this gun's not going to get shot closer than a thousand meters basically ever in competition. So almost all of the load work both times so right from the start has been done further than a kilometer normally between 12 about 1200 meters and a mile like everything ladder tests seating depth tests everything like that obviously in good conditions when there's little to no wind and stuff like that i think the gun's probably been shot at 100 meters maybe five times just, to, like two, just to get the scope two on. shots, yeah, just to make sure that the zero's good. Yeah, um, shot it at 500 meters a couple of times, and that's about it. Everything else is further than a K. Um, so reason being, like, you shoot a gun like that at 100 meters, it's not going to show you anything. It's just going to go through probably the same hole every time, no matter what load, just because the you know, the barrel harmonics are so slow and steady. It's just any vertical that does show up, it ain't going to show up at 100. Um, and if it does, like you're so far out with your load, well, you probably couldn't be that far out with the load. You can literally feed at anything and it'll shoot good at, at close range. Um, but that's obviously not what it's built for. So... Um, it's got 34 inch 31 mil straight parallel barrel so it's the barrel alone weighs six kilos so you imagine the harmonics and that are um not that yeah they're not affecting it that much Mm -hmm. so basically it's coming down to powder charge um which it seems to like it's pretty good with powder you can feed it um almost any uh, grain that you want and it'll show like the ES will obviously open and close but it'll still shoot pretty good um so basically i was doing powder charge was my first thing i'll just go to a no and jump for my projectiles that i was using like for the a tips about half mil and for the burgers a little bit closer and just working on a powder charge that gave the best es and that was all done with the um well last year was the lab uh the magneto speed this year it's the bullet seeker so every shot that gun's fired, more or less, about 90% of the shots that gun's fired has had some form of chromograph taking a reading. So I've got all that data written down as well. Yeah. Um, so I'm just looking for the best ES. Ideally, we're targeting something 10 or less. And then from there, move into seeding depth to try and tune any sort of group dispersion out of it. And that's about it. So it's just a lot of testing at distance, just shooting groups, five-shot groups at distance to um, to get it tuned, really. So you shoot a five-shot group at a K. What are you looking for in the group, like physically looking for? A certain pattern or waterline? I mean, obviously environmentals, but... Um, yeah, pattern, pattern and waterline. Like obviously, any verticals no good. Like around a K, I expect that to be about, and it is currently. It's about it's less than point one a vertical. Yeah. 
um, and no horizontal, ideally, like unless there's some wind, no wind. But if it's stringing like 0.3 vert with, uh, of horizontal with no vert, then that's not good. I'll be changing seating depth. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm just working until I found, just keep going until I found a like a seating depth node that I can move more than a small number like the ATIPS that basically had one distance so there was a was point point four node I had to be in which is nothing I was getting more variation than that in the dies I was using which made it not ideal so um and obviously all this testing now is done with group uh like brass batched on neck tension off the amp press so as I'll be loading up test loads if there was one that was tighter than the rest like significantly tighter that'll be going off to the side and I'll be using that as a fowler so I was trying to do testing with um uh with brass that was all similar neck tension so it, it operates around the sort of 24 to 20 uh 7 pounds of seeding force is what it seems to like the best so I'll sort of target um and any load rounds I was using for match ammo I'd pick out of that so anything outside of that band I'd discard yeah and just use it for fouling and stuff like that um so if I knew the brass was consistent neck tension and the powder is all single kernel consistency and the seeding depth is all within you know exact measurements that you can't separate then um there's no reason why it shouldn't be just stacking them on top of each other yeah unless it was me not being able to but i've shoot that thing, shot that thing so many times and i'll back my shooting 100 percent of the time anyway you know i'll know if i've pulled a shot yeah yeah um yeah so it's basically just group pat and then is it repeatable so if i get a good group and it's good on either side i'll go back to yeah i'll do another group either side see where i'm at and um for seeding depth, obviously, I'll, if it's on the longer side, is uh, longer or shorter, then I know sort of where I need to be for the loading that seeding depth. And if it's if I can get two together, like two at three or four thou parts, so I've got like an eight or eight six to eight thou window, I'll, and it's hammers the same spot. That's what I'm was wanting. Um, and then if it if I can find that I'll go and load them both again and do it again and see if it's repeatable and once again all with the chronograph on and if the numbers and the groups and everything's repeatable well that's it that's what I settle on so doing the one so you, so you got steel set up at 1k is steel or paper sorry steel well this this year we uh, last year i was doing mainly steel this year we did a bit of both i was doing sort of the initial testing on steel and then if it was okay then we're shooting ply yeah yeah after that and we end up shooting ply all the way out to 2k to test um just so it's more accurate, and then you can actually go up and measure it. Tape measure. Would, would you like would that. you put a um a, like you have a plate next to the ply and shoot the plate? Yep, that's my wind, yeah two kilometers whatever. There's my wind, and then just transfer that straight onto the plywood. 
Nah, just a big sheet of ply. Yeah, I thought like a full size, two point four by twelve. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, big, big. So you're not normally off with the. Um, you can see a splash through the ply. Yeah, if it's splash coming up from behind, you know you're somewhere on the ply and just keep going. Yeah, okay. Doesn't actually matter where it is on the ply as long as you're not changing anything. Once you get one shot on, got to keep going. Yeah. yeah, and then go and have a look, um, and you can actually measure it. So yeah, at that point, I'm not interested in where it's sitting, or yeah, if we're high or low, if the data's right, I don't care. I'm just looking for groups and stuff like that. So once I got the one k down and it's looking good at a k, then I'll or or twelve hundred meters, depending on where I was shooting from. Um, I'd you I'd go straight to a mile and test it there, and if it's still looking good, I'd go out to two k and do it there. Yeah, and if uh, and multiple times we had to come back because it looked good at a K, but it wouldn't be too good at a mile. So we have to come back, retweak, try and get it tighter, go back out to a mile, do it again. What are you happy with in a mile? Uh, around point one avert, somewhere <laughs> between point one, point yeah. two ish. If it's no, definitely no more than point two. Yeah. Was it alternate? If I got a good group and I did it again, it might be like point one, and then if I did it again, it might be point two. Then it'll go back to point one. So. It's, yeah, I mean, out there you're getting more and more envi- environmental impact. So when you're testing to the one and two, what's the terrain like where that's happening? Is it generally flat across? Sort of with the spot we shoot, um, where you're shooting uphill, slightly uphill, like a two degree angle, or we're shooting from that hill down. If we're shooting ply, yeah, it's going down to yeah down to where we'd not, I'd shoot from, and if I was shooting steel, I'd shoot up to where I'd be sitting so we just I'd just swap the angles um, and it's pretty good the ground's flat but it's got a gully uh, with filled with pine trees about oh, about a, about 13 1400 meters um, so that yeah that sort of it probably doesn't have any effect on it because it's we're doing it all the time yeah um, and a pretty clear line of sight so it's pretty easy to judge wind and stuff like that but yeah so are you trying to replicate are you trying to replicate because i'm assuming down south for example the terrain's gonna be similar like you have nothing much underneath you in terms of valleys or anything that's pretty flat you're you're sort of shooting from a slightly elevated spot down south and and it drops away a bit and then it flattens out um, yeah. But yeah, you shoot sort of shooting into valleys, like down yeah. sort of lengthways a little bit, so you get weird winds down there. But yeah, no, uh, that's why I asked. Well, sort of, you're trying to get some real world data that sort of matches where you're going. To I suppose yeah. Ten- well, <clears throat> later later on, not for the load development. No. So no, no. The, yeah, so later on, um, so at that point, with I'm all I'm testing now once again. I don't care where yep. it's going, if it's going yep, high, yep, low, yep, left, yep, right, yep. I don't care, as long as it's consistent. Um, yeah, and then at 2K, uh, last year I could most of the time get it to hold 0.2 a vert, but then the more if I'd do too many shots, it would obviously throw it away a bit, and then that 0.2 would turn into a 0.4. And right. it would be crap. And and then instead of 0.1, at a mile, I'd have 0.4 at a mile. And 0.3 at a K instead of less than 0.1. So it would just go from real good to real bad. Um, whereas I found a 
the burgers were way more forgiving. They had a bigger window, seating depth window. Power charge didn't seem to matter too much. I basically just sort of picked the speed I wanted. Um, and if I was out of that powder node, it would give me like another point one or so at distance. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, got it, got it going pretty good. And then obviously after I'm happy, then we start going into truing the data and stuff like that, which is probably harder than doing the load development. All right. So, what uh, what have you changed on top of the gun in terms of like? Um, you're still running the same scope, cant, all that sort of thing. I uh, took a little bit out of it this year, cant wise, because last year I had my five to twenty-five ATAC on it in a. So a twenty degree, uh, twenty MOA mount, and it's already got thirty in the rail, so I had fifty yeah, on it. Fifty, and yeah. I had much more uh, adjustability in the chassis in terms of cheek riser height and stuff like that. Whereas I tried putting it on this year, and it didn't work because I couldn't get cheek riser high enough. Uh, um, yeah. so I had to use my I used my seven to thirty five just in my normal rings. Um, so it's got thirty minutes in it, which is is fine but the problem is the 7 to 35 has less elevation than the 5 to 25 yeah i remember that from previous yep so yeah so um, i really want to use the 5 to 25 on it so but we no one had any 34 mil i couldn't find any 34 mil night force rings anywhere which is a pain i don't want to pull pull them off my 7 to 35 so no um i just use 7 to 35 but 735 is not that good on a long on a real long range gun because you'd never use more than 25 power anyway. Well, I don't because you're just magnifying all the shit in the air. Like you just make yeah. the mirage real bad, and so it's sort of wasted. And then you don't have the elevation. Um, I can get 27 mils out of that um, out of the 735. I'm pretty sure I can get 31 yeah. out of the five to 25 from memory so that's much better suited um so, so you, you'll end up back there again with the 5 to 25 yeah yeah i'm just waiting for rings yeah and then it'll go back on there um well i'll sort of have to by the time we get to rtd this year because i'll need my 7 to 35 back on my match gun so. <laughs> yep 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 um the other option is putting an nx8 on it but they don't no I won't have it. Well, I have enough elevation for RTD, but the optically, it won't be as good as the ATAC. No. Um, so, yeah, so not too dear. I've got the same reticle um, in both of them, mil C, so pretty familiar. Uh, yeah. I've so, right, so, pretty... so, what would be the difference then between what you'd. Well, okay, so you tune this. So, my pile of junk factory gun with factory ammo what would sort of be the vertical dispersion there i mean like you know, just as a where are you where are you starting from if you do nothing like so would you be like 0.4 0.5 to, you know at know. a k I don't, don't know yeah. don't know I've, I've, yeah i'd imagine i'd imagine that like uh 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 30 or 40 feet per second a yes at a k is probably going to be 0. 0.2 0. 0.3 his 3 threats point, point two definitely better than that but it's um 0.4 well no it's hand loads it's not factory ammo but anyway yeah, yeah but fact, you know, like factory ammo with a horrible es yeah you'll yeah you're gonna see pretty big vertical 
dispersion on it. Like if it's shooting, I don't know, three quarter inch or something. At a, yeah, at we found that with three... machine gun ammo in the fifty. Did that? Yeah, it's just, it all comes down to AES, basically. It would be either a meter high or a meter low at a K, <laughs> so, depending on which round. It seems to be, and we've seen it a lot with the smaller guns. Um, you can have a pretty average AES. You can have an AES of like thirty or something out to eight hundred meters. It doesn't really sharp bugger all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might have like point one or something, but you take that same gun out to a K or twelve hundred, and shit gets real loose. Yeah. It's just once it slows down, it just fucking goes all over the place with that with that ES. So to keep it tight at distance, the key is basically the ES, and then everything else you work around that. So yeah, um, and yeah, as I said, ideally for a, str- a string of fire, um, and it ch- like the ES for the gun for the for a whole batch of match ammo is going to be more than ten, but. In that batch of five, batched on neck tension, it'll be less. Yeah. Than ten for that string. Yep. But it might be like twenty for the whole day with the same load, but that's purely changing because of the neck tension and the brass I've got. And I can, and I know because I've got it ranked in in the case, in order of neck tension. So I know that right, the average speed for the whole lot is this. Yeah. The average speed for the stuff with this neck tension is this, and the average speed for the neck tension is that. So as I'm working my way through the case, I'm adjusting the speed quietly in my Kestrel by a few feet per second yeah. um, for the average speed, so I know that my dispersion is going to be based around the average for that ammo, for that little bit of ammo with that neck tension, if that makes sense. Wow. Yeah, no, it does. So there's no surprises. Um, no. Was I, I like a surprise, so that's why. Were you, like when you were surprised that you won last year, mate? <laughs> yes. At, do you know what? I think I think there's about 40 people who were surprised at night. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a flash in the pan, so. You, do you know what you can do? We, we could have just cancelled the one-mile magnum, and then you'd still be the champion <laughs> this February. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably wait till the day and then declare the conditions uh, yeah. not, not suitable. Yeah, okay, yeah, just like I did with the 2D3 champs. Yeah. yeah, I'm still the champ forever, right? Because I was never oh, under pretty him. dark on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So obviously, then into the the truing side of it. That's part of the truing side of it. So when you're truing data, it's truing up, and once again, you bet on batching up ammo based on seeding pressure. Um. And I don't do anything crazy like uh, batch weighing projectiles and batch weighing primers and batch weighing brass and shit like that. Like I don't reckon that this at the distances like out to 2k probably doesn't make any much difference. Well, not enough difference that I'd notice it anyway. People do it. Um, and if it works for them, that's great. But I tried it, did nothing. So for me, so I just fucking canned it. So the, the biggest thing is uh, obviously just brass prep powder weight is accurate seating like everything is what you want like either to the kernel or to the point zero 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 one of a fucking inch or something for your seating depth and and that you're using the same amount of lube on each case when you're sizing so it's all bumping the same and you're um 
it's seeding the primers to the same depth every time. Like my primer now will seed everything to it's got an adjustment on it that you can adjust the primer seeding depth in one thou increments. So everything's exactly the same. Powder is exactly the same. Seeding depth is exactly the same. Um, everything's annealed. Um, so the seeding pressure is as close as I can to get it for that string of five off the off the digital press. So it's going into the boxes sorted and basically like each row of five is going to be within one or half a pound of uh, seeding force required. Um, the other thing I did differently this year compared to previous years I got myself a, a portable armor press, just a little K&M one and so I seeded them all long to within a mil and then the day of the match like as I needed them I'd, be, I'd, I'd shoot my string before and I'd go and seat the next five in just so the neck yeah so they never chance to set the neck yeah set in the necks and shit like that so really went over the top this year to try and get it right and it worked um but anyway, <laughs> so, yes, so that's yes, down yes. so yeah no, no, that's but, down, so, the, down it. yeah let's get into the into the weeds um so what's the one thing that makes the most difference that you would, would have thought wouldn't have made much difference i mean what i'm saying is all things being equal you know you can weigh and da 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 well, obviously, it sounds like you found that you're. Um, I think just that seeding force. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, have, and that's basically the, a load cell on the a load cell on the press to a degree, is it? Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's a little yep. mini load cell and a little digital RAM, and you just stick it on there. And um, there's a little reel awesome. on Graham's Instagram that he took the other day, and <laughs> you stick it on oh, there, and it just yes. goes and seats it down, and then it, a nice little line appears on the computer with your with yep. your seating force so you can see if there's any weird little bumps or notches or yep. if it just shoots through the roof or we're going to make mark an instagram we keep referencing it <laughs> yeah who what what's that um that i tell you that that um i didn't really look too much into those presses that's a cool piece of kit um it is very cool well the the automatic side of it too so obviously you're using the, yeah. the Wilson die and you just pop it in there and just slide it in and it, it senses it's there and seats it and like you say it's um so how much of that process is migrating into your uh, race gun like are you all, doing all the all, all the same stuff yeah yeah not only is it I pay less attention to like I don't sort yeah them on, yeah 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 as long yeah. as I'm in the as long as I'm in an acceptable band as long as they're mostly together that's fine. Yeah. And I'm talking acceptable band for the race guns, like, I don't know, within 10 pounds of each other, that's fine. Um, yeah. And I've tested the high and the low, and it's basically less than 0.1 of vertical at 800 metres, so it doesn't matter. But if I All went right, to so, a mile with it, it would. Yeah, so then you'd take more care if you were shooting an, you know, a long-range ELR type thing with your, with your non-magnum, yeah. so yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, which I'll do for the like I'll have to shoot the BR and RT this year at a mile. So of course I'll be cherry picking. I'll be cherry picking out the little um yeah the ones testing the band yeah where's the best neck tension or seating force for um for the mile for that gun. What does it like the most? And I'll be yeah. running that. So, all right. uh, but all I do one reason why I do it for the race gun stuff is it's fast because you just put the die in there and it just does its thing while you can be doing something else. You don't need to, you're not actually manually seating anything. The press is yes. just doing it. Yeah. And two, if you get a real anon, an, anon, uh, pfft, anomalous. anomaly, 
yeah. nominally. Um, if you get one that's real tight or real loose or something, which happens if I'm seating two or three hundred, I might get five or six that are like really through the roof high yeah. neck tension. That could be one that I forgot to run through the neck manual or I didn't have enough uh, lube when I'd sized it inside the neck or when I mandled it so it was, you know, it didn't size it properly or um, just anything weird. Neck might be split or splitting, which causes, you know, it might show like super low neck tension and you can't see it by eye. So I just throw them out to the side and they just get used for fowlers. Yeah. And then I'll mark that brass and if it does it again, um, I'll just chuck it away. To write a letter to it. Yeah, I'll just go shoot Stop. for practice, shoot Stop. for practice and don't pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, morning. And so for that, it's fine. And it might only be five or six cases, but you might, you know, your chances of getting one of those five or six cases out of 300 are pretty slim during the match for a stage that actually matters, but it might be like, you might just happen to have that one loaded in the magazines, your last shot for the last shot in a KOL rack at 800 metres or something. And it might be super high neck tension. You might be hitting centre plate all the way down and then bang, it shoot, it goes over the top and you wonder why. Well, yeah. that's why. Tell me, Anthony, so, what, does it have a max, um, the load cell? Is there a point where it'll turn itself off when the tension's too high? Oh, funny you should ask that. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> we found that out on the weekend. Oh, no, we did. <laughs> we did. <laughs> not mine. We won't say who it is. We'll give you not, a hint. Not, my, um, not mine either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, they call him the Susan Boyle of precision shooting. But, uh, <laughs> But anyway, so okay, so but here's the tr- here's the thing. All seriousness aside, um, you might think eighty you, pound, yeah, and that's that's where it turns itself off. Yeah. So who knows? It's um, you, yeah, yeah. You might think here's the thing, right? Your your press, especially like you got a rock, uh, is it rock chugger RCBS. Anyway, me, yeah, Frankfurt Arsenal. Yeah. So whatever Frankfurt you, press, yeah. whatever your press is, right? A lot of them got quite a long handle on it, so you might not realise that you are cranking a projectile in. And, and switching the brass out so much. Um, and this thing tells you, like, yeah, it's over, okay, it's expensive. For for majority of people, it's unnecessary. Definitely for the average hunter. But um, if you're shooting comps and wanting to compete um, at a high level, um, it's interesting to at least run some of your load across one. I'm not saying buy one, but... Um, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. If, you, if you, yeah, if you know someone that's got someone or whatever, or if you driving past Hawks fame on loads of memo. Just you know, you you just run it in it and it's just curious even if you want to do twenty and just say, Oh shit, my uh, that graph is terrible. Yeah. So, <laughs> I need to or it's really good, one or the other. So we we ran mine through, wasn't as the it was okay consistent. I think we had like you know, pretty good. Yeah, what we had, we had three outliers. So the next day I um I thought I'll just burn these at a was nine hundred by nine fifth, whatever your longer target was at that Mm. position and we still got three impacts you know cold bore um three impacts from 10 inch disc at 900 meters but but what we didn't do is then follow it up with three of a lower neck tension out of the band that's a very good point um what we should have because what yeah they had very good vertical and very good group but they were all the same neck tension mm. that's the key it doesn't matter if they're super high or super low or whatever as long as they're all the same yeah, although my data the day before at a similar temperature had gave me the same result. Yeah. So, that's the fact. Well, that's why you test. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting though. Um, and, yeah, uh, it, it's cool. Um, 
And the best thing is if you go past Collies, you just use up all his powder and projectiles too. That's what um that's what me and Wilkie do. We don't advertise that, Graham. Oh shit, I forget forget <laughs> forget I said that. <laughs> He's very you're not, res- very limited. You're about to you're about to receive a large invoice now. <laughs> Fair warning, uh, Anthony, that's classic classic Graham. Yeah, classic Graham. Oh, I'm well, oh, I'm well aware. I'll uh, I'll uh yeah, I'll sort you out for that. <laughs> oh, just email email me the bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Fake email address. <laughs> yep. No, it's nineteen ninety two at gmail dot com. Yeah. E- email me um M Wilkie nineteen eighty three. No, um Susan Boyle precision. <laughs> Alright, they're moving on to the uh T D. Subo. Yeah. So I, you didn't even let me talk about how I validate my data, but obviously we won't, oh, sorry. We won't talk about that. Then. We can do we, another one about validating data and kestrels in the future. I thought we, I thought we were for almost two, there for two reasons. It'll be boring for some people. Yeah. And I want to get a lesson from you on okay. getting my kestrel like right set up. So we'll probably do so it the, podcast. So the validation happened magically. So that was all done. So that's fine. Yep. So yeah. So then we get to our TV. So. Everything is tested, true. Everything was, as far as I was concerned, that was the best I was going to get it. So I thought, right, take it to RTD um, with me for the 22 final. And then the next day, Mark was kind enough to spend the morning with me, pissing around, putting up some targets, finding a, or a target. And we probably won't say where it was, but we put no, a target no, up was- in a... <laughs> As I'm wandering around mustering, I often look at hills and go, well, that might be right for a target, and measure it. Oh, yeah. And then, so I found one that was almost two and a half k's at the base of a hill. So it was, yeah, fine. So here's me thinking, when we're going up there, we're doing two kilometres, well, you were doing two kilometres. Yeah, I've been there. And then he goes, oh, that's that's where I shot 2k from last year. And then I'm like, why aren't we stopping? We just carry on. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so carry, carry on with your yarn. Yeah, so I should say, because um, well, I don't think we've ever talked about it, um, last year, after Surplus Story, still, I took the gun to do some yeah, testing. True. And we managed yep. to tuck off, um, it was 2,002 metres, and did a couple of strings at it. One was five-shot string and hit three, and then another string was three from three on the plate. So it's pretty I still remember it done. well, because your very first shot... Just, the plate. Yeah, very was, first shot. Here's me looking for splash, and then it was just like four seconds later, plate Man. rocks. I was like, whoa. Anyway, oh, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then the next one, and then the next one, and you're like, yeah. shit, what the hell? And um, I was, I was not surprised because I was expecting it to do it, but you were thinking, geez, this thing's pretty. It was cool. a couple of months before it was gathering dust for seven months. Yeah. Well, normally, yeah, yeah. like people at a yeah. mile, like it takes them like seven or eight shots to get one on at a mile. Like you just from what we normally see, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's why no, when, was... we when we were training the other day, um, I just said we'll stay at a K and just keep, you know, yeah. Rather we'll go to a mile next time, but I think they'll get more value, especially as they're learning what where the guns are going, whatever, you know at a K for that for that situation because the miles there's so much more variables coming in especially yeah. six fives with factory ammunition yeah 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 six fives yeah yeah so we've found for most of the smaller guns or six five stuff and like once you get past 1200 meters weird shit starts happening 
yeah. nothing ever lines up how it should. Um, yeah, line up perfect, six eight and six eight thousand twelve hundred, like perfect, everything's good, and you're like, yeah, mile will be on, and you just know we're near it. And it's um, yeah, always weird. But I suppose that most of the six five six mils are well and truly transonic, if not subsonic by then. So strange yeah. stuff happens. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So anyway, so we carried on, much to Graham's surprise, past two k spot, carried on a bit more, and he's like, bloody hell, we're a long way out. I was like, yep, yep, let's keep going. We were we and, were as far as you can go. The only thing that hangs out out there is wild pigs and goats, like it's and possums. It's, it's, yeah. We there isn't a spot on the farm where we're going to shoot further. I believe is there, Mark? Not really, no. <coughs> um, and this one was all across bush too, so it's quite yeah. So anyway, mm. um, it's pretty much and sheltered and right where we were shooting was sheltered by bush, which was a bit inconvenient because <laughs> trying to pick yeah. the wind. But so we got set up. Um, it was pretty good conditions it wasn't like the day of the 22 final where it was windy it was pretty still there was some wind but not much bugger all and yeah, yeah bugger all probably only a mile or two um and got set up got on target dialed it up it was for, so for me 20 it was 2482 meters uh for me on the day that was 31 point one mils i believe so the scope maxed out at uh sorry 31.2 the scope maxed out at 27.4 so i basically dialed 27.2 and held four yep and um yeah i just we had a rough direction of the well we knew which way the wind was coming from and in the at the end after sitting there trying to work it out for a bit i thought nah fuck it i'm just gonna Dial nothing and just hold center plate to see where it goes. And so sent around and I'd pre with three people spotting Mark, Cal, Graham, everyone was on glass spotting, me watching through the scope. And I said to everyone, look, this distance it's five second flight time. So don't think there's going to be an impact as soon as you hear the bang. Just wait patiently, it'll come. Yeah, before we see it. So center. Um and a few seconds five seconds later to be exact uh saw an impact pretty much perfect waterline not an impact yeah. saw saw splash perfect waterline uh about two mils to the left which made sense because i didn't hold any wind and there was wind coming right to left and i just wanted to see because there was quite a good area out to the left that you could see splash and having not shot past 2000 and and two meters before um it was a bit of an unknown territory for data but turns out the kestrel had me bang on yeah and then made a what i thought an amazing correction sent another one didn't see shit (laughs) sent another one didn't see shit and we thought fuck where we've got the target i bet it's just left or right because it was like a bit of greenery on the bank yeah um graham thought he could see the odd flicker off to the right and so i was like fuck we'll just go back to where he was uh sent one like where i was holding and pretty much hit exactly where i was holding i thought fuck sweet so we pissed around with a few other shots just trying different winds left and right couldn't see shit went back to where we were started with a couple of times and saw them every time then couldn't figure out why i wasn't hitting when i was aiming at the plate and then little black spot on the clay bank that i aimed at and pretty much landed almost on it so they quickly reloaded and sent one and clipped the plate on my 
well, was it seventh? I can't yeah. remember. Seventh. Yeah. Seventh shot, yeah. Didn't clock the players well. Yeah, well on the plate. Once again, perfect, uh, like, perfect all line. So I was, I, I just called it there. I was like, fuck, that'll do. That's fine. So what was the what was the shot that went right in beside your first shot? Do we? That's one that we didn't see. I don't yeah, think. we can't have seen it. Yeah, no, it was, we it was found within, it was two inches away from that fish. <laughs> yeah, it was two two holes. Yeah, oh. I think that's when I took because at some point after about the I think on the fourth shot I just took all the wind back off and went just held center and just did exactly what I did. Yeah, the first shot, and we didn't see anything, so I imagine it's probably that shot. Because then everything else, we found plenty of holes in the bank. Yeah, um, we're all like just around the target. There was one or two sort of that were just high right that we dug out. Yeah, and there's uh, some low left, uh, not low left, like some to the left, and then some further left, and then some further left again. And that's when I was just going in and out with the wind, trying to see splash. But yeah, um, in terms of data, yeah, in terms of data, like data was bang on. Yeah, no, it was amazing. The projectiles went straight in on some of the hard papa, and basically it was still a foot in, straight hole. So yeah, it was um, it's probably well, the one we d- the one yeah, we dug one... out. It actually turned around. Yeah, yeah, it spun around and curved into the left, and was probably thirty. 40 centimetres in, yeah, all up, yeah, and it was facing the other way, basically at the end of the hole, pretty much intact, yeah. no just slight deformation of the tip. And then you got distracted because an army tank turned up. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're up, weird, weird variation on the day. <laughs> We're up there uh, digging projectiles out of the bank and then we heard machine gun fire from down below. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> thought, what the hell? <laughs> better, better go see what that did. <laughs> But no, it's something for next time. We we'll move move the target to the left, and um, yeah, and then we'll basically have better splash either way, so we'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. You might have to contract yeah. Collie in to do your loads for your RPR. Get that. Well, I, used... <clears throat> I thought GB Precision was doing all right. They're okay, but they will not be as good <laughs> as the as as like anal fucking all right. tendencies. I'll... I was just uh, piling up my brass collection tonight, actually looking at how much Lapua brass I've got, so I've got plenty to use. Well, that's the first time I've ever seen you. We got, what did we get the other day? 60 or 100? You turned it down. That's how much you've got. So. <laughs> yeah, nah, cool. Okay, so. First world problems. He, oh, yes. he, I think he must have 500 bloody pieces of Lapua. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then when he, when he wanted reloads done, he used my brass. Weird. <laughs> That's just Graham trying to balance up the ledger. Yeah, slightly. That's like one click up for me. Okay, so you, okay, so you're happy. You come to RTD, did some mm. even longer range testing. You're thinking, okay, if, if it's lining up to 2.5 k's here and in Hawke's Bay, up to 2 k, looking pretty good for going oh, yeah. south. Like, yeah, it was it was on. Like, uh, like I think once again, the whole vertical dispersion of all those shots that we found in the bank at Tunak would have been less than 0.2, probably. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. mad. Because that'll be, be, that's 50 centimetres at that distance, and they're all, they all would have been within that pretty comfortably. So for, for, for those, um, that we'll put a picture up, but that's the, a 900, was it the 900? It was the 900 Yeah, 900 plate. Target. Yep. 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 Um, so we've got some uh, targets that um, GPRE and Scott cut a few years back. They're two piece they're only six mil thick um hardox 500 
for the <clears throat> well, we're using the competition stuff, but closer than that, bit closer than two point five k, obviously. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's man. I tell you what, that's a shivers. It's a long way. Um, yeah, it's long flight time. Just the main the main thing that's real cool about shit like that is just the flight time. Yeah, because man, five seconds when you actually count. Yeah, you know, if you sit there and count one Mississippi, two Mississippi, like fuck, that is a long that is a long time for a bullet to be in the air and so much can happen in that time once it leaves the barrel a little puff of wind comes up and it's gone you it's know, also it's off it goes it's travelling it's not travelling over like a flat desert it's travelling over what other countries would consider mountains as well like these you know sort of backcountry rural New Zealand that's some pretty big hills and it's yeah it's not yeah it's um Pretty, pretty it definitely cool. wouldn't have it wouldn't have been as consistent if you had a day that had significant wind or headwind or something like that that was blowing up out of some of those valleys. Like there would oh, be, yeah, no, no. yeah. Shit, it would just be going up, down, up, down, up, down. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't, luckily, so it's fine. Okay, so we finished up there, and then it must yep. have been, it was, it was the following weekend, you jetted down to Sparrowhawk, which is in fairly, somewhere in the South Island anyway. Uh, yep. King of the Range, twenty twenty three. Um, to well, so tell us uh, just quickly what is King of the Range, and what are the distances, and and what's the format? Right, so King of the Range is New Zealand's sort of only dedicated ELR, well, our version of ELR competition. So it's targets from one thousand to two thousand meters. Um. Basically, it's separated into two classes. You've got standard three through eight and under, which is standard three through eight lap and under, and then you've got anything above a standard three through eight and above, like three through eight Ackley or um, XC or something like that, or a three seven five or four sixteen or fifty or whatever you're shooting. That all goes in the three through eight unlimited class. So just basically open class. Um, Whereas last year the X it was three three eight any three three eight and under was the year before and I was obviously in three three eight and under because it's three three eight projectile and we had an issue with um very quickly with me breaking the eighteen hundred meter target um before some of the smaller guns had shot so we had to pause to go down and fix it so the whole idea of the class is the small guns shoot first and then the big guns shoot at the end of each string just in case they break a target um. Which you wouldn't think would be an issue with three three eight, but when it's going thirty two hundred feet per second, it um it 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 hits pretty fucking hard. Um, and there's three seven five Shaytac improved, and last year's a couple of fifties. There wasn't any fifties there this year. So, yeah, and the, so the whole idea is you start the match. You guys both muted yourself, Jesus. Yeah. Put some sound on, so I know you didn't bug okay. it away. Okay. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> oh, good. Um, well, I was giving you a yes. South Island sound effect. Nothing. <laughs> no response. So, so you start at the morning at two k. So every every distance is five round strings. So you start at two k. Sorry. So you start at, at the longest distance. Yes. And then work your way back. Is this due to trying to catch milder wind in the morning? Um, better conditions because the yeah the the long plates um, once the mirage gets up are horribly hard to see yeah like and the the 
they actually changed the plates from white to yellow this year, which made them easier to see. Because normally, by the time the sun gets up, the white just disappears. Yeah, yeah. We found um, that in the summer. Yeah, and so they're not against dirt berms; they're just out in the just out in the grass and the scrub, so you don't really have a fantastic backdrop like a big dirt berm or anything. Um, so you start at the two, then you go to the eighteen. Uh, five shots then you come right back to the thousand and then you go to the 1200 uh, 1500 and the mile last and the mile target down there is right in the middle of a swamp so it's basically the easiest thing to splot, splash for so when the hottest part of the day when everything's the hardest to see you're still going to see splash on that target and you probably won't on anything else if you miss so that's why they shoot that one last. And so the, the 1,000, 1,200 and 1,500 metre targets are an Ipsic and the rest of them are a 900 plate. Mm-hmm. So you've got three, yeah, three distances, 1,000, 1,200, 15 and an Ipsic and 16, 18, 2K are the standard 900 square. Um, so, yeah, that's the, that's the format. Um, and so the mile, just, the mile was 900, you're saying? Yeah, no. Yeah, yep. yeah, think, yep. yeah, same size yep. square as the yep. rest, I think. Yeah. What's, yep. what's our mile, mate? 600. 600, okay. 600. Yeah. Yeah, so the mile... Uh, so 0.4 square at 2K is about... Uh, sorry, a 900 square at 2K measures about 0.4. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, bang on 0.4. So it's a 1.5 MOA target. Yeah. Yeah. 1800 it's a little bit bigger not quite 0.5 and i think at a mile 900 plates it's about 0.6 so about 2 moa yeah and then the up six aren't that big they are at a k but at 1500 pretty small sort of 0.3 wide by about 0.4 high i think yes yeah, so, so they're beginning to be one of the trickier targets then the, the 15 yeah. Yeah, and the fifteen has the worst backstop out of they don't none of them have great backstops because it's just grass, but fifteen if you go high you just sort of drop over a bank into a gully <laughs> and you don't see anything. Oh. <laughs> um so you have to be left or right or low. Everything else you can be high. Well, apart from the the two K you had a real big patch of thistles next to it, so if you were left and freshly high you weren't seeing anything. You'd just disappear. <laughs> Yeah, and there's a real good patch of grass low and sort of low left corner. I thought, man, if I miss, I hope I miss there. <laughs> and so, 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 yeah, real hard sort of range to pick wind on there because it's um, so multiple. Do you get to? Sorry, just okay. do you get to go? Do you get to go out and look at the targets? No, no. So you're you're always yeah back at the firing line. Yeah, 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 yeah. Always at firing line. Uh, you don't move for the day, so once you set up, that's it. That's your positive. Yep. Just like yep. proper prone ELR stuff, so you can just set up all your big heavy gear and just cruise around. Come back to your gun when it's your time to shoot. You're not running back um, to the marker. No, 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 <laughs> none of that. No real, no real time pressure. Like, I don't think there's any set time as long as you piss around, taking you know ten minutes to do your string. So. But once again, when you're shooting at distance, you don't want to piss around. As soon as you see a shot, you want to correct and just send the rest. Yeah. Um, if you can see it. And so, I was 
sitting on the spot for the first half of the day. Well, not first half of the day. Sorry, sorry first half of the shooters at two K, because um, I was obviously in the in the big gun group at the end, so I was shooting pretty much last. Yeah, and so I can't remember. There might have been twenty odd shooters, so it's plenty for a shoot like that. And I think the first ten guys, no one got a hit. Hit two k, and I was saying, man, this is hard to hit today because the wind was tricky. It was just enough. Like there was wind flags out there scattered around the place. Only three of them, and they're all doing different things as you went up further up the valley. Like the one at eight hundred meters was going sort of hard right to left, and then the middle one was doing bugger all. And then you get out to the one out between the two k and the eighteen hundred plates, and those going hard left to right. And you're just saying, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, trying I mean, bear, trying to bear roll this. Yeah, bear in mind you've got. A target where you can't really see where you're going, probably for those guys. Or any when you are, yeah. If Do you it. dropped, if you drop well low, you could see it. Um, oh, yeah. If you were high, you basically had not much chance unless you're about five yeah. plates high. And if you're left or right, like perfect target height, left or right, you weren't going to see it. Oh, that's my question. Um, is anyone is anyone calling for you, or do you? So they give you on the second miss. They will yep. give you a very vague correction. So okay. part of the process is they wanted three people spotting the targets at any one time. Yeah. Um, and especially with the bigger guns, if the, the flasher was not final. So they had to see an actual physical hit on target to give it a hit, and all three right. spotters had to agree. Yeah. So if the flasher went and it was a skipping or like the bigger guns can set them off... Um, especially like the, the 50s and stuff, they'll set them off going past. Ooh, excellent. But I mean, um, yes. <laughs> if there was no physical hit, it was a miss. Yeah. Uh, and if you missed twice, you had to, um, you could ask for a call if you wanted it, and they would tell you you were left, right, high, or low. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So they won't say, oh, you're two plates right and plate low. They'll just be like, right, you were low left. Yep. You could be low left by 10 metres or <laughs> 10 centimetres. Right. That's your problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, not, no one was going to walk you on. And they'd continue to give you a vague call until you got a hit. And if you got a hit, there was a, no more calls. Um, but spotting for yourself, yeah, spotting for yourself at ELR is pretty, not that hard because you're back on target, aren't you? So, yeah, in terms of... Well, Gen- you'd like gen- to think generally. that. Yes. <laughs> you should be. Not sure how often it happens. No. Um, for the, yeah, I'm talking way I'm, out I'm there. Sure. We, we have got yeah four seconds, I suppose. But anyway, yeah. It is a lot of time. But that's can what, what can I think can trip some inexperienced people out. It's because it's such a long time. It's hard to comprehend that. So you pull the trigger. You quickly mm. get back on target if you're not already. And you think, Ah oh, fuck! I couldn't see anything, and you start racking your bolt, and then it hits, and you yeah. missed it because yeah. you're too busy reloading. Yeah. Um. So you just got to consciously. Well, I pull the trigger, and I just quietly count to myself. Mm. You know, I know the flight time for each distance. So I bang, one, two, three, right somewhere here. There it is at two k. It's about three and a half seconds. Yeah. Um. So I know, you know, know what I'm doing. I've usually I opened my bolt in that time. I haven't done anything else. I just opened the bolt and wait because I've got enough time to do that. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, so no one had hit it after the first 10 or 12 goals, I think. And then I thought, geez, this is hard to hit today. And some of the misses were like big misses too, like well left, well right. And I thought, shit, this is, this is hard. I had a pretty good idea for wind and I wasn't sure. And then uh, Ian was shooting as Norma improved. And I was watching him shoot through the spotter. And he went just left. And I thought, oh, he's surely seen that. And then the second one hit. I thought, oh, he's away now. And then the third one hit. I thought, yep, he's definitely away now. And then the fourth one missed. And I thought, oh, surely he's seen that. <laughs> and then the fifth one hit. So I thought, oh, three from five. That's bloody good. Yeah. And, um, and then a couple more people went. And then we got into the big gun stuff. So and I, sh- it was, I was first of the big guns. I thought, right, got a pretty good idea for wind. I'd been paying attention to the wind flags and you know, mirage and shit like that. And I thought, right, got a pretty good idea. But if I do miss, I want to go left. But I'm going to try. I'm going to assume I'm not. <laughs> aim as I am but hopefully I've under like under corrected and it fucking goes left and it did um and I saw a tiny little flicker just like I thought fuck perfect just came across another bloody it was two tenths only two tenths to the right and just stacked the next four um pretty well central one went a touch high I was pretty central and then one sort of hit on the top quarter <coughs> of the plate and then that finished back in the middle so um Went pretty good, so four from five at two k. What what, um, what was the reaction of the um, the other competitors when you did that? I everyone was pretty pretty stoked with it, but it's just a shame I didn't get the fifth one, the first <laughs> one I made. Oh damn! No one's no one's claimed that two k plate. Yeah. I actually, last year's King of the Range, I bloody, not, oh, sorry, the week, couple of weekends before, I was down there testing before it, like three weekends before, and I had it four from five, and I missed the first one just off the bottom left edge, and I was pissed off. Then hit it bugger all in the actual King of the Range, I think I once or twice. And um, that's when the gun was starting to go a little bit over, a little bit all around it. And, um, and then this year... Yeah, it's just wind, eh? Like, if you can... It's so hard to pick wind at that distance, especially in valleys that don't make sense. Like, when you've got wind that's just vortexing around and going mm. in the opposite direction for the last 500 metres, man, it's hard. So you just got to hope that you're close enough to see it. And if you're lucky, you'll hit it. Yeah. And, yeah, I was probably only... I was like a tenth off left edge, um, which was a pain. So in the um, uh, so was everyone trending a certain direction then? No, no, no. If anything, everyone trended low. It was the only direction that was common. But <laughs> I, that's that's not a wind thing. No, um, no, no. that's just lack of. I mean, if, and if you don't get a chance to test at that distance, like it's never you're never going to be high. Yeah, you're just yeah, going to go. You always yeah, you're always going to be low if you haven't validated at that distance. Always. So yeah. other so in the in the open we'll just call it open for argument's sake um, class um, who else was anyone chasing you or mm, no nah, I don't think there was any oh there might have been one hit 
one hit and then in the big gun class at 2k there was very very few total in the, at the 2k this year i think i got four and got three so someone else got two a couple other guys got one yeah that was about it and then so you, you've done yeah, but the that's 2K. In, that's in line with our mile i mean you look at the score yeah. sheets yeah and yeah, I mean, two k doesn't seem it's only four hundred meters further, but man, it's, yeah, um, no, it's like you look at yeah, yeah. Go open, open your app at home and put in your data for your gun at a mile, <laughs> and then do it at two k. Man, yeah. it's different. It's a <laughs> truckload. Yeah, yeah. You're dropping heaps. Yeah. Um, yeah. So did that. Uh, so next distance was the eighteen. Um, once again, went through a few more hits at eighteen as you'd expect. Uh, got to me this time I thought right well wind looks pretty similar I know what I did at 2k I'm just going to roll it through the 18 should be pretty close and sent the first one and I'd basically overcorrected because I was holding off to the right and it went right by like 0.1 again I thought fuck right up what an amateur what an amateur absolute amateur I think oh, so. I think the best I've done is four out of ten at a mile. So I'm gonna just shut up now. <laughs> so I thought, right, I've seen that. Like pretty eighteen, the eighteen hundred plate probably is the best splash around apart from the mile because it's like all the short grass with no scrub and no thistles or anything. So if you're missing left, right, high, or low, unless you're like more than five meters away from the target, you're going to see it. Yeah. Um, and it just threw up this massive cloud of dirt, and I was like, yeah, boy, right, we've seen it stack the rest and set a plate now so i just came across two tenths to the left and um fucking missed the tenth off the left edge and i was like oh, oh my god no. so went back to exactly where i was holding for the first shot and put the next three right in the middle yeah um so just the wind had just died or yeah it just must have been died for when i let the first shot go it would have been a bit stiller and then picked back up to where and they just held for the rest of them so Three from um, five uh, yeah. three from five there, which was yep. disappointing. Right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So terrible. It was terrible. Yeah. Anyway, so we came came back to the K, the upside of the K, and uh, wind was pretty good. It was pretty we had wind flag at like eight hundred pretty close to it so pretty good read and it was all one direction because you're not up into the other valleys yet so i was like right sweet as about 0.4 or 5 or whatever it was to the uh to the left and um and went five from five on that so that was fine uh pretty good hits yeah a lot of people got a lot of hits on that as you'd probably expect because full size up circuit a thousand meters pretty big yeah, gives yeah. you gives you quite a bit of vertical too, doesn't it? Really, quite so. yeah, quite a lot of vert. Yeah, um, and then to the twelve hundred, and I went four, four, four from four. Yeah, four from five at twelve, I think. I was going first shot, held too much wind, just slipped left edge, came in a little bit, stacked the rest. Um, and then the uh, the fifteen hundred. No, 12? No, I didn't do the 12. We went 1,000, cut, and the 15. Yeah, it was the 15. 15 that I did next. Yeah, so the five five distances for King of the Rain. So 2K, 18, 1K, 1,500, then the mile. The other ones that counted for the overall. So, yeah, 
It was yep. the fifteen hundred. So yeah, that one I hit first first three on it at the fifteen hundred. So that's the Ipsic at fifteen hundred. So I hit the first, second and third. And that's the most wind I had on all day. I had I started with point seven to the left. Yeah. Which is a lot for that gun. That's a yeah. lot. Um and then couldn't quite see it was quite miragey. I couldn't see where they're impacting on the plate. And they looked to be hitting pretty central because it was just sort of swinging straight back. I was like, sweet as so I'll just fourth one landed inside the left edge, so I'd help so I'd held too much wind, so I dropped point two off it at point five, sent the last one pretty confident, and it landed inside the left edge at about point two away from where I was holding. So the but the the spotters when I when I was shooting after a shot said that um like right as I let the fourth round go, like the wind flag just basically went from being a full ninety degree flicker to about a forty five degree flicker, oh. and then as soon as I let the fifth shot go, the flag just died. It just stopped. Yeah. So that probably would have just been my spin drift taking it off to the right away from where I was aiming, not the wind. So, um, yeah, and I couldn't see it. I couldn't. I could barely see the ipsic, let alone the flag, or the mirage was that bad. So I couldn't see the flasher going off. I could just see the target moving. Yeah. Um. So mirage was bad at that point, and that's the one that gave most people the most problems. A lot of people zeroed that one, but it's purely probably conditions. Because you think by then you shot the 2K, you shot the 18. Your data, if it wasn't trued up before, it should be now. Like yeah, you had two yeah. cracks at it. And if, yeah, yeah. if you've been low twice, we shouldn't be low at this one, right? Like you should have, you should be able to, you should know what correction you've made and you tweak it on the fly and away you go. But it gave massive issues, um, which is not um, unexpected because an Ipsic at a thousand is pretty big, but at 15, it's not. Um, it's probably the same size. What's Graham? What's the dimensions on an Ipsic? Eighteen by eighteen wide, aren't they? Eighteen inches. Yeah, six hundred by five hundred or seven hundred by five. Okay, okay, well, cool. So yeah, pretty, they're pretty so massive. It's about, I can shoot. Them so, well, it's size, about so, yeah. it's about the same size that um your mile plate is at RT, isn't it? Roughly, Height roughly. Wise, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a little bit skinnier. 18 by 30. Yeah. So, what's 18 wide? 45? 16 is 400, so... Yeah, 45. Yeah, so 450 wide. So you're not massive... So you're less than 0.3 wide. Yeah. Yeah. So less than one MOA of windage. And um, for me, the whole day, like the only issue was um, windage. The elevation was cock on all day, as it should be. Um, And... So part of my process was, uh, I know that the powder that I'm using can be a little bit temperature sensitive, so I basically do all my testing, all my zeroing, all my uh, stuff. I'd pocket the rounds about 20 minutes before I shoot, chuck five in my pocket, for, and then they're always at the same temperature, always at the same speed. Bull sack temperature. Nice. Yep. It makes sense. So about 10 um, degrees. 10 degrees. <laughs> just, yeah, just real, real cold. hotter it gets, the more they sort of, yeah. Due to being undead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's got to wipe them so, off before you put them in the gun. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Slimy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, next. Yeah, so <laughs> onto the mile, and mile, I thought, man, I'd love to, I think as I was jumping down behind the gun to shoot, I hear Ian behind me yells out to me, clean it. I was like, okay, no pressure. Um, but I this was this was the so, swamp, the way, so you could see. Yeah, yeah, in the swamp, oh, I could see it, man. Three hundred grain are going at thirty-two hundred. You can see everything all day. Yeah, unless you're firing it into a patch of thistles, which I almost did on the two K plate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so first shot once again had a pretty good thought. Had a pretty good wind call once again, holding off to the left about point uh, five or something. Point five point six went inside the left edge, so just and came across a couple of tents and just loaded the rest into the middle of the target and four from five there, so. Um, yeah, I'm pleasing that I was basically all my wind calls were within a tenth or two, my first wind call, so that was good. Um, more pleasing was the fact that the elevation was just within a tenth all day at every target. Um, and it didn't do anything that it shouldn't have. I got every shot on the lab, on the, um, what's it called? The bullet seeker for the day and velocities. If anything, just, uh, but I was working down my neck tension effectively down my seating pressure and they were, as they should have decayed off through the day going with that, but they probably decayed more than I'd seen with my usual testing, which I'd say means the throat's probably just eating away a little bit, or has eaten away a bit, because that put me, for this year, about 130 rounds, I think, on it this year, so it's well over 600 now. Yeah. Um, so I imagine, yeah, the throat, during that match as well, because once I was on, you know, you'd, I'm not pissing around waiting for it to fucking cool down between shots, so as soon as I see one, and I hit the plate, I'm just sending them. Yeah. Um, so when you're burning 120 grains of powder every shot, five shots is a lot. Like, it's pretty hard on the throat. And you do that five times during the day. Um, it would have not surprising that the speed had decayed more than I'd expected it to, but only by, like, seven or eight feet per second. But it's still noticeable compared to the testing, so... I imagine now, before our TD, I'll just be doing a quick um, revise the seating depth. I'll just push them all three or four short, uh, longer and yep. see if it maintains. And if it does, I'll just use that as my new seating depth because it means the throat's probably gone away three or four thou. Yeah. Which I expect it would have in that many rounds. So. We shall know in two weeks. So with that many hits, you obviously took out the uh, king of the range for the... For the um... No, he was in fourth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, took that out for the overall and obviously the big gun class. And then the little guns carried on and did... The little guns, the three standard 338 and under, carried on to do another, another two distances. They did 1,200 and 1,400 as well. We could also shoot it, but it didn't count towards anything. Um, so I didn't. No. Apart from eroding your throat. Yeah, so there's no point. 
yeah, so that's seven thirty-five rounds for the day. We had twenty-five, and that was about right because man, twenty-five rounds for that thing in in about six hours. Man, because you're sore shoulder. <laughs> so, it's a it's a heavy gun, but it, fuck, it's still got a bit of kick. It's a lot of powder. Yeah, and I'm getting interested. I have to make the trip. Yeah, no, it's pretty, it's a good day. I mean, it's it's really really different to anything else that we shoot in New Zealand. And it's, yeah. it's proper, it's proper big gun stuff. You know, you're shooting a long way, and it's cool. I know. So I there's I been to... chat. Uh, there's been chat next year that the big gun class might have another two distances, but they might they'll be further than two k. Might be like two point two and two point four or something. Maybe is that all? So that means you can Real just cool. you can just win better next time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There was a suggestion of two point eight, but that people a, a lot of guys will struggle with that, especially if you're shooting. Um, XC is pretty flat, right? Because it's going pretty fast, so you struggle with elevation and stuff like Massively. that. Massively, yeah. Guys are start buying um, prisms and charlies and stuff. So. Yeah, well, we, me and you need a Charlie Graham anyway for our secret little side project. You need one, and I'll do what, the social what? media. You see? Okay. Yeah, makes right sense. It's, a, it's a, the deal I normally run. May, yeah. or, may or may not be some X22 ELR on the horizon. I mean, proper ELR. Mm, like 300 metres. Like no, no. Back. Oh, shit. Off it. Oh, yeah. No, no. Like times <laughs> three. Yeah, add a bit. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, congratulations on the success. Hopefully, um, uh, we don't have a repeat of last year where you um, it turns to shit at the next event. So, um, if you fucking jinx it now, I'm don't. gonna <laughs> don't, you, don't blame me for your lack of attention. No, um, no, no, it'll it'll come in hammering. Don't worry. I I don't doubt it. You don't seem to repeat mistakes. So, um, no. Uh, yeah. Well, thanks for coming on once again. We're at uh, like an hour and a half. So. That's nice. really cursing it, you know. <laughs> well, anyway. I'm not competing. It doesn't bother me. Uh, <laughs> I could, I guess. Um, no, no I'm too busy. No, you're too busy. Yeah, too busy. Uh, <laughs> thanks for coming on and um, talking shit about the 33XC and your, um, you know, reloading prowess and a few uh, tips for the guys who um, want to do it or think they can do it or um, something like that. So, no, yeah. I learned a lot if I ever decide to do it. You, you, you do like past the yeah. K quite often. Yeah. No, no, I mean in terms the, of, you know, properly. the minute of, that was excellent. The main uh, the main takeaway for anyone who's wanting to think about it is attention to detail for anything past the K is an absolute must. You won't get away with it just with your, think, ah, my loads will be good enough. If you think, ah, they'll be good enough, they probably won't be. You've got to, yeah. Try and just um, pay attention to what you're doing a little bit better, and you'll see the results. Yeah. Um, as it took me a long time to learn it, how consistent you need to be with your reloading processes, and also your shooting processes and stuff like that as well. But yeah, and then just having access to somewhere to test is the is the next issue. But yeah. Um, but, and don't be afraid of just sending rounds down range. I think, oh, a mile, that's too far. Just, just who cares? Just send it and see where they go and then see if they keep going in the same spot and then throw up your data and you're fine. Yeah. Well, 
Right. You know, like you watch right. you sorry, as I say, you watch that stuff on YouTube, the Mark and Sam after work, you know, the Aussie Aussie couple who just lob these you know, two seventies and seven rim mags and big guns out to like two miles. Um you know, it's not as though he's an amazing ballistician. He just sends rounds, reads data, corrects. Simple. All right, most excellent. Thank you. All right, and we'll, we'll see you all next time. See you later, everybody. Yep, catch up. <laughs>